0: Hello, I'm back. It's Melissa, and holy moly, guys, I have a topic that I'm really excited to talk about because it is causing me to have a major revelation. Um, another one. More, more revelations just keep coming my way. It's just (laughs) incredible how much I'm finding out about myself. And so today I want to talk about rejection sensitive dysphoria. Some of you out there may have heard of this. Some of you may not have. Um, I recently came across it, I don't even remember where or how, it was on social media somewhere, Um, and it sounded a lot like me. (laughs) And I saw, I think the person who was posting about it um, is a person who posts content related to ADHD. And so that made me interested because I was like, huh, I feel like I have this, but I don't have ADHD. I mean, as far as I know, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD and I honestly, I don't think I have it. And the psychiatrist I'm working with for my diagnosis also does not think I have it just based on, um, I just don't fit some of the criteria for ADHD. So anywho, um... So I looked it up to see if it could also be related to autism, and yes, it is. And when I was doing my um, second assessment appointment yesterday, I did bring it up with my evaluator um, and asked her, like, hey, I saw this. I saw that it can be um, associated with autism, and she said yes, it's it's pretty commonly associated um, with people with autism. And I told her I really relate to it. And, uh, she's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's highly, highly possible that you could have that, um, if you're autistic. So (sighs) I feel so wound up right now. And like, I have this feeling in my chest of just like, I'm not even sure what it is. Am I anxious? Am I excited? Am I happy? Am I sad? I don't know. Because the more I read about this, the more like mixed emotions I have, because on one hand, it's like, This explains so much and it makes me happy to have, um, finally reasons behind some of these, um, behaviors and experiences that I've had my whole life, um, and not just feeling quote-unquote crazy. I hate that word. I hate, like, describing anyone as crazy or calling anyone crazy. I think it's a really derogatory term, um, but you know for lack of a better word i would feel crazy um so on the one hand it's like relief and excitement and happiness and like oh my gosh this has a this this has a name this has a why and i'm a person who loves to know the why behind everything i just really want to know the reason give me the reason what's the reason and then i can deal with things better if i know why or what you know but also it comes with a sense of like frustration and sadness and it makes me upset that i went through 41 years 41 years of just not knowing and lord knows if the internet hadn't come along and especially if social media hadn't come along like would i ever know (laughs) because no doctors have been helping me that's for sure to be fair I haven't sought much help in the way of like mental health treatment in my life um, in my early 20s I, I did for a while and I I got put on a few different antidepressants none of which seemed to help me I didn't really feel great on them um, and it just wasn't the side effects I was having and stuff just wasn't worth it the it, I, I believe in medications for certain people if they help you that's amazing. I did not personally have a great experience. So after that, in my early 20s, I just didn't, I didn't uh, have any desire to seek that kind of help again. Um, And therapy, let's face it, is expensive. And I haven't really been able to afford that um, very often. I have gone to therapy uh, a few times in my adult life, but I, I could never afford it time-wise or money-wise long-term. So anyway, so I'm figuring this out. This might be a longer episode because I feel like I have a lot to say <laughs> on this. I'm going to try and make it as quick as possible, but um, this is a very interesting topic. So I pulled info from a couple of different articles that I found online, I will put the links to those articles in the show notes if you guys are interested to check out the full articles on those. Um, They'll be down there for you to click. Um, So first of all, the definition of rejection-sensitive dysphoria, or RSD... Um, It says, it is an extreme emotional sensitivity and pain triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. It may also be triggered by a sense of falling short, failing to meet their own high standards or others' expectations. Guys. (laughs) I mean... We're one sentence in, and I'm already just like, oh, sorry, that was two sentences. We're two sentences in, and I'm just like, wow, yes, 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 yes. That's me. Um, rejected or criticized by important people in their life. Um, it doesn't even have to be an important person in my life for me to um, feel extremely sensitive Um, but it's true that I do get more of a reaction if I feel like I've been rejected or criticized or disappointed someone who is important to me Um, so it goes on to say no one likes to be rejected criticized or fail for people with RSD these universal life experiences are much more severe than for neurotypical individuals they are unbearable restricting and highly impairing And holy moly, do I relate to that too. So, um, I have an example of this just from, two examples of this from this week. Um, should I go into my own personal stories? Sure. I will make it brief. So last night was, um, not quite as bad of an instance as the one I had earlier this week or over the weekend. It might've been, I don't really remember when it happened, um, last night, my partner got home from school. They had had a bad day. Um, they made a comment that was kind of snappy, kind of snippy, kind of snappy. Um, this happens in relationships, right? My partner is great. My partner is not an asshole. Um, even if they maybe sometimes make a mistake and say something snippy at me when it's not my fault they had a bad day, Um, usually a person, and I'm not going to use the word normal, I'm going to say neurotypical probably person who could take that with a grain of salt, right? Especially since, uh, Gray apologized, my partner, um, but I could not, I, (laughs) I immediately just like felt... It's not even, it's like despair. It is like the worst thing just happened to me. And I cried for like an hour. And then even though my partner apologized and was sincere and they seemed over it, I cannot let it go. I can't, I just keep ruminating on it and replaying it in my head and thinking of it over and over and over and over and getting re upset and then starting to cry again. And then being like, Nope, 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 Nope. Calming myself back down. But then I start thinking about, and it's like a whole, I, I don't know how to get out of it when this happens. So the rest of the evening, I just sort of, I tried to distract myself I really didn't want it to turn into a big old thing, which sometimes it can, which that's what happened earlier in the week, which I'll tell that story in a minute, but, um, I didn't sleep well. I woke up super early and couldn't go back to sleep because I was just so distressed, so worried. It feels like the world is ending. It feels like my relationship is ending. Um, and (laughs) I'm, star- I'm starting to get over it now. It's the afternoon the next day, or it's around lunchtime the next day. And I'm finally like, okay, okay. I'm feeling more calm about this now. I'm feeling like I can see the situation more clearly now. And it's been nearly 24 hours since it happened. So that's how long it took me to get over that. Um, a similar thing happened earlier this week, or maybe like a week ago. I don't really remember. Um, where the same thing happened, I don't even really remember now what happened, which goes to show that it probably wasn't anything that was a big deal. Um, but basically, my partner and I got into a little spat. It It wasn't a huge fight. It was just like communication failure and us misunderstanding each other. And this also happens in relationships. But Again, I think a person with a different neurotype, a different brain than me, could just be like, oh, this is just a small argument. It's fine. Like, Talk it out and move on with your life. Um, But sometimes when this happens, my emotions get so amped up inside of me that it becomes an unsavory sensory experience. And that's when I um, can like flip into full-on meltdown mode, which is what happened the other night. I really had a, a, a terrible meltdown based on what <laughs> my own body escalating, and my own brain and body escalating this small thing into something big until it came to the tipping point where I could no longer handle all of that stimulation and it just exploded. So That's that. (laughs) So yes, the experiences are much more severe. They are unbearable, restricting, and highly impairing. This article is correct. Also, thank you all for being so nice to me. There's been several people who have emailed me and have been like, you're doing great. Thank you for being so honest. Thank you for being so open. And that makes me feel really good because A lot of this stuff that I'm sharing is very personal and very vulnerable, and honestly, sometimes quite embarrassing. Stuff that people, the people that I know, do not know that I'm like this. Very few people in my life know that this is who I am behind closed doors. And I think a lot of us can understand that, like feeling kind of like you're living a double life because. You are hiding so much of yourself from others um, for fear of being seen as, as weird or crazy or whatever the case may be. Um, so I really appreciate all of the support and kind words that I've received and encouraging me to, to keep sharing, which helps, and uh, saying that they relate. Because um, it is hard to talk about this stuff. Even though right now I'm just sitting in my closet talking into my phone, there's nobody in here, um, so I can sort of trick myself into thinking that I'm just talking to myself, but then I hit publish and I'm like, okay, other people are going to hear that, so hopefully no one rejects me because I'm rejected, rejection sensitive, so please don't send me a mean email ever, anyone. Um, okay, okay. So, uh, I'm going to go on to read just a little bit more. I'm not going to read like a lot of this article. That's why I'm going to link it just in case you guys want to, um, go and check it out yourself. But I did want to read a couple more little parts. Um, I mean, nobody wants to listen to a podcast of someone just reading an article, but this part is pretty interesting. So it says, um, there appears to be a connection between RSD and ADHD or autism. I think they meant to say ADHD and autism. Um, sorry, I'm sniffly. Uh, it says, this isn't to suggest that people with these conditions will develop RSD. Instead, having either condition is a risk factor. So of course, if you have either one, if you have ADHD or autism or both, doesn't mean you necessarily have RSD, but you're more likely to have it. So it says people diagnosed with ADHD. Oh, okay. So so this goes into this next part goes into um the sort of why behind this happens to people with ADHD, which this isn't an ADHD podcast, but I know some of you out there have ADHD. So I'm going to read this part, and then I'll read the part about autism. So this part says, um, people diagnosed with ADHD often experience difficulty paying attention, restlessness, and impulsiveness. Doctors have also recognized emotional issues in some people with ADHD. This is characterized by an inability to control their emotional responses or hypersensitivity. Since these individuals experience more intense emotions, they may have a heightened response to any sense of rejection. So, that's for ADHD. Here's what they say about autism rejection sensitive dysphoria also has a connection to autism. This neurodevelopmental disorder, ugh, I hate the word disorder affects the nervous system and triggers a variety of symptoms. Children or adults with autism may have difficulty communicating and socializing, and sometimes they have difficulty understanding the actions of others. They might also deal with emotional dysregulation and hypersensitivity to physical and emotional stimuli. As a result, any real or perceived feelings of rejection or criticism can cause them to become overwhelmingly upset. Yes, they can. So emotional dysregulation, I've mentioned that before. I definitely, definitely, definitely deal with that and have dealt with that my entire life, not knowing why. Um, And I like how it points out that there's also a hypersensitivity to physical and emotional stimuli because um, emotions are very stimulating to me. I know that's not true for all people in general and certainly not true for all autistic people, but emotional stimuli bothers me more than any sort of external stimuli, like in a sensory way. I definitely have sensory things that are external that that bother me, um, but nothing external ever bothers me to the point of meltdown. Um, but emotional overstimulation and overload can get me to that point. So... Oh, <sighs> sorry. I just had to take a big deep breath there. Cause I all of a sudden got overwhelmed. Okay. So I want to read one more part here and it's, um, just about what things can resemble RSD, um, and also typical symptoms. So it says symptoms of rejection, sensitive dysphoria are complex, so it can be challenging to identify. RSD can sometimes resemble certain mental health conditions, which include depression, social phobia, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, so don't even get me started on borderline personality disorder. I, The more I learn about autism in general, and specifically autism in women, I'm starting to think that borderline personality disorder... Maybe doesn't exist, or if it does exist, it is wildly overdiagnosed in women. And I did do a little Google search, and I found out that um, borderline personality disorder is diagnosed three times more often in women than it is in men. And this just kind of clues me into like, I feel like maybe all of these women, or many of these women, at least who are receiving a borderline personality disorder diagnosis are simply autistic with some of these co-occurring disorders like RSD. Um, A lot of these things can look very, very similar, and I just wonder how many women, and men, but mostly women, are out there wandering around thinking that they have borderline personality disorder when they don't. Not to say that if you have borderline personality disorder that there's anything wrong with that, Um, but there is something wrong with it if it's a misdiagnosis, and it's just very odd that so many more women are diagnosed with that than men. It sort of goes in line with how how it's like so many men, so many more men are diagnosed with autism than women. And so many more women than men are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So that sort of seems suspicious to me. Doesn't it seem weird to you? I don't know. So uh, anyway, it says typical symptoms of RSD. And it says that may also occur in some of the other above listed conditions, which I just read off, um, include low self-esteem avoidance of social settings, fear of failure, high expectations for self, frequent emotional outbursts after being hurt or rejected, feelings of hopelessness, approval-seeking behavior, anger and aggression in uncomfortable situations, anxiety. So, uh, yeah. This... I'm just like staring at this thinking like there have been <laughs> there have been, been so many times in my life where I've I've dealt with this and um it seems like as I'm getting older that it's even more, um, I feel a little bit more emotionally dysregulated with each passing year. (laughs) Um, for some reason, I don't know if anyone out there relates to that, but it's like, I would think that as I'm getting older, that this would be getting better. (laughs) But I think um, something that plays into this for me personally and why I think it might be getting worse, um, or feel like it's getting worse or less manageable or whatever we want to say, um, is due to trauma, And not even necessarily trauma. So there's trauma and then there are other just like negative experiences that I wouldn't classify necessarily as trauma. Um, But obviously the longer you live, the more you go through your life. I do have um, a lot of trauma from my childhood um, and my adolescence. Um, I gained more during my 20s. I gained a heck of a lot more during my 30s when I was in a... um, pretty uh, unhealthy relationship and suffered through a terrible terrible breakup from that person who went ahead and just when we broke up just listed off all of the things about me that were unbearable that she could not tolerate and that was very traumatizing um because now in my current relationship I'm always always afraid of, because I didn't know my, my previous girlfriend did not clue me in on any of these things that she thought were quote unquote unbearable about me. Um, until we were breaking up and it was like too late, which is fine. We weren't meant to be together anyway, but it was like, at the time I was like, well, why didn't you tell me <laughs> these things? Cause you know, like I could have worked on them or we could have worked on them together or whatever. Um, and, uh, so now that's caused me to be, I'd, I'd never been just like suddenly broken up with like that. And we were together for five years. So it was a pretty, um, serious relationship, um, And that was very traumatizing, especially for someone who likes predictability and I was not anticipating that we were going to break up. And I certainly wasn't anticipating that she was going to like claim it was all my fault because I was so horrible to be with, which isn't true. I know now, like looking back, I'm like, nah, that was a two-way street. I am, I can be hard to, to live with. I am aware. I mean, because of all of these things that I talk about on this podcast, it's challenging. It is. I have so many good qualities though, too right? I have so many good qualities. In these moments when I'm feeling this rejection sensitivity and feeling hypersensitive, I don't remember any of my good qualities. I have very negative, negative, horrible, and sometimes scary self-talk that, and intrusive thoughts that come in and tell me horrible things about myself um, during these episodes. But like when I'm of sound mind, as I am now, I can say like, I'm fine. I'm a really good partner. I do my best to um I don't like to say make my partner happy. My partner needs to be happy on their own, but like contribute to my partner's happiness and their life. Um and I don't know, just like I I guess now it just puts me in a position where I think in my current relationship it makes me nervous that suddenly this person i'm with now is going to all of a sudden decide that they also cannot. So every time we get in a fight, i feel like that past trauma comes up of my last relationship and i'm like the first thing that pops into my head is like this is it. Like this is all that this person can take of me and we're going to break up now. They're they're going to leave me because i am unbearable, right? So Anyway, that was just a really long, like, ramble and rant and tangent. (laughs) So, but I'm just having, like, a huge epiphany right now. And there was a part in here where it talks about, okay, so one of these, um articles says that, uh, like when, when I'm looking for, like, what do you do? (laughs) Like, that's the next, when I figure something like this out, I'm like, okay, what can I do about this? Like, let's find a solution. But I'm not sure that there is a solution. So one of the articles, um, says that this is just a part of these neurological differences. Um, There's nothing you can really do about it. It says psychotherapy does not particularly help patients with RSD because the emotions hit suddenly and completely overwhelm the mind and senses, which, oh my god, if that is not the most accurate description, completely overwhelm the mind and senses, it's yes, 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 yes. Um, and it also says it takes a while for someone with RSD to get back on his feet after an episode. Yes! Oh my god. Um, but then it goes on to say that there are some medication solutions, um, that you can try that sometimes help, sometimes don't. Um, as I stated before, I am usually not... I, because of my past experience, I kind of am hesitant to even try. Um, however, it's not psychiatric medications that they're prescribing for this. Um, they are alpha agonists. I don't know how to say this one, guanfacine or clonidine, which are both, uh, blood pressure medications. Like that's their on-label use. um, Knowing the side effects that can go along with blood pre- taking blood pressure medication, I already have low blood pressure. Um, I'm not sure sometimes that, you know, if, especially if you already have low blood pressure, um, sometimes medications like that can make you feel um, dizzy or tired and amongst other things. And I don't really want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know. If anyone has tried medication for RSD, please let me know. And please let me know how it went for you. Cause I'm really curious. Um, okay. Uh, this other article says, um, treatment for RSD. Since this is associated with autism and ADHD, your doctor may recommend treating any underlying condition first. There isn't a cure for these conditions, but medication can help relieve associated symptoms such as hyperactivity and depression. So basically, they're saying that, um, you know, you can maybe treat the underlying causes or the underlying conditions that go along with autism and ADHD, but there's nothing really um really like specifically made to treat RSD. So what do you guys think of this? What is going through your mind? Have you been told that you have RSD um the psychologist who's doing my assessment you know, we talked about it a bit yesterday and she's like, you know, there's a good chance that you have this. If you feel like it fits, you probably do. Um, but she said that she wouldn't probably give that as like its own diagnosis. She wouldn't be like, you have autism and RSD because she, she just said, it's just part of autism. It it doesn't even need to be its own diagnosis. So, um, uh, I don't know, gosh, where do I go from here? Um, I'm kind of stumped and I I feel kind of lost and I feel a lot of mixed emotions. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's also, um, my son recently sent me an article on something called cyclothymia, which I also want to talk about, but I'm not going to do it on this episode because, uh, I don't want my episodes to be too long, um, just cause I don't know. I just don't want them to be too long ever. Um, so maybe I will do a second episode about cyclothymia because also, so my, my son, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me talking about this because he's very open about his mental health and is always posting on Facebook and all of that just to try and just kind of be open about it. And I think for the same reason I'm trying to be open about all my stuff is like other people can relate and maybe not feel as alone or whatever. So, um, but he's been having a lot of struggles lately with, um, with mood swings or mood changes, I would say, like rapid mood changes. Um, and I have that too. And we were talking about it. He's actually, he is uh diagnosed ADHD, uh, but we are now starting to suspect that he may have autism as well. Um, he's also transgender, so he was assigned female at birth. So he transitioned, uh, when he was 15. Uh, not that that matters, but I'm just saying like he, uh, yeah, he, he's trans. So he was assigned female. So he growing up, I guess this is why it matters growing up, um, um, I did not catch on to the fact that he had ADHD, um, because he did not, this was during a time, um, when still ADHD, he's 23, about to turn 24, my son. So this was a while back when ADHD, ADHD was still, like, relatively, um, confined to, like, boys, like, little hyperactive boys, and that is not how he presented at all. He was very, like, he could sit and read Harry Potter books, for hours on end. Like, you would never guess that that he could have a problem paying attention, but this is before we knew that ADHD doesn't always present as a hyperactive little boy who can't sit still and, you know, can't focus on any task. Um, so anyway, I digress. My son sent me this article on cyclothymia and was like, hey, um did I get to the part where I said, uh, my son and I are starting to kind of maybe suspect that he's also autistic. I don't think I got there. I think I tangented away. Um, so he, he's seriously considering getting an evaluation as well, which it would make sense. It makes a lot of sense because he and I are very, very, very similar in many, many ways. Um, so, uh, anyway, he sent me the article. I read it. He was like, what do you think of this? He's like, I don't, I don't want to feel like a hypochondriac, like trying to figure out, like, like trying to, trying to diagnose myself with all of these different things. But like, I I need to find an answer. And I'm like, hey, do not feel like a hypochondriac. Like, nowadays in medicine, and especially in psychiatry, like, you kind of have to be your own, you have to be a sleuth. You know yourself better than anyone. And we have this amazing resource called the internet. And as long as you are being reasonable and not, um not, what's the word, like talking yourself into something. Like, you know, you're not falsely diagnosing yourself with things. I mean, that's what a hypochondriac is, right? Like you read about something and then you start experiencing the symptoms of it. Um, I don't even... The word hypochondriac also has a very negative connotation. I know that there are people with like health anxiety and stuff like that. Um, that's a very real thing, and I've definitely struggled with that throughout periods of my life, so I've really high empathy for for people that struggle with that. Um I still have a little bit of that um from time to time, which comes out in like germ severe germ phobia um, but anyway uh. I told him, don't ever feel embarrassed or weird about researching and trying to figure out what's wrong with yourself because you know yourself better than your doctor who you see for a follow up visit for your ADHD meds on a very rare occasion. Um, like, doctors can't get a full picture of who you are. You know, you sometimes have to approach them and be like, hey, I'm having all these symptoms, I found this thing online that matches this, could this be what I'm dealing with? And then go from there. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, so anyway, I'll probably just do an extra episode on that, on cyclothymia, if you want to tippity tap it into your Google and check that one out too. Um, it's pretty interesting, but, um, a lot of these things seem to be co-occurring. I like the word co-occurring better than comorbid morbid is just such like a scary word it's like comorbid um also if you like true crime podcasts there is a podcast called morbid that's really good i'm really into true crime morbid is one of my favorite true crime podcasts so i like the podcast morbid i do not like the word comorbid because it makes me sound like i'm just a sad person with a morbid condition um so co-occurring disorders is the better way to say that for me but there are a lot of co-occurring conditions within the autism spectrum, and, uh, oh man. I feel like I'm just, like, scraping the tip of the iceberg with this autism diagnosis. I'm just, I feel like everything's just, like, becoming so clear. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I I don't know what else to say on this. Let me check this. Oh my goodness gracious. It's been 37 minutes that I've been talking. And so I am going to stop talking soon and let you guys go and get on with your day. But, uh, I feel like this episode was very rambly. I guess I always feel like that at the end. Um, and no one has told me yet that I'm super rambly. So I guess I'm just going to go with the fact that I'm, that I'm doing pretty okay. Uh, hopefully I got all my words out correctly and concisely, and you guys can understand everything that I'm talking about, and I didn't jump all over the place as much as I feel like I did, and yeah. Okay. I'm gonna get on with the rest of my day now. You go do that too, and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Oh, also, I'm leaving all my info in the show notes as usual. So if you want to reach out, you can do that. If you want to start following me on Instagram, you can do that. I love it. Thank you. Okay, goodbye for real now. Bye.